podcast. This is Court. This is Ashley, and we're coming at you live from Boston on a Friday work lunch. <laughs> That's so terrifying. <laughs> so fitting for today's episode. Yes. So today we're talking about corporate America. How sexy does that sound? <laughs> This is an episode we've wanted to do for a while because we believe it makes our podcast, that is our secret sauce. Exactly. Is that the podcast is the side hustle and the side hobby and 90% of our life is actually corporate America. Yeah. And I feel like Ash and I, (laughs) not the Slack notifications, to preface this all, we are on a lunch break, but we just both are terrified that like, like, why is that a thing? Like, I don't know. You, you never know. No one gives a shit, actually. No. Yeah. You know what? I'm closing my laptop because you can keep yours open, <laughs> okay. but I'll, I'll close mine. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So we talk a lot about our like corporate America lives and like little tidbits through different anecdotes and Probably almost every episode. Yeah, there's always some type of update. Exactly. Um, But we figured we should just have a full-on Corporate America episode because, you know, that's how we relate to all of you as well. And there's a lot to say about Corporate America because it literally consumes most of our lives. And, you know, we hate to love it. We love to hate it. But there are things that we can do and ways that we can go about our lives that, like, make us being in corporate America a lot more of an enjoyable experience so that's what we're gonna be focusing on today yeah that's the lens we're gonna be looking through again like court said there's so many different areas of this entire topic but today it's gonna be basically how to optimize your corporate America exactly and we'll start off by kind of giving a little bit of a background to where not where we work. We're definitely not going to, even though everyone knows where everyone I work. Everyone knows where you work. Um, but just like crazy. a little bit of our experience. So Ash and I both went to a four-year university. Both of our parents were entrepreneurs themselves. So they weren't from corporate America. My mom had a little bit of experience working for like an insurance company back in the day before she had kids. But really interesting that we both come from like entrepreneurs and small businesses that are maybe not so small um, to different degrees. And they both, both parents from both of us, um, were really encouraging us our entire lives that like corporate America is where you need to be. That's where it's stable. That's where you can make the money. You can grow the ladder. And like, that's just so interesting that that was something that was shoved down our throats. Oh, yeah our entire lives and especially in higher education too. It's like you're perceived as, you know, not bright if that's not what your end goal is at the end of the day. Yeah. That was how, that was our generation. Correct. And because we were raised by our parents' generation who, so I was the first one in my family to really go to college. I think my mom went to Morgan corrected me because I've said that on the podcast before. She goes, mom did go to college. She got her associates. So did my mom. Local. Yes. Okay. So yes, my mom, you did go to college. Some sort of degree. But not like, you know, the four year go away to college, not like in your hometown kind of thing. So because of that, I was kind of, my parents looked to me to like live out their dreams, especially my dad, because he never got the opportunity to work in corporate America or go to college. So because of that, I, I genuinely didn't know there was any other option for me, Yeah, which is crazy because I grew up with parents who own their own businesses. Yeah. And it never once crossed my mind. I was like, oh, well, I don't want to build pools. So of course I'm going to go to corporate America. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, um, I actually love corporate America, (laughs) as this will come, you'll hear it in the episode. Uh, I don't necessarily love the idea of becoming an entrepreneur and like doing my own thing completely. Like, I do love the stability of it. So even if it maybe wasn't shoved down my throat, I don't know, though. Maybe that's just I am because that's how I was raised. But yeah. It is interesting. That's important context to have. And on the flip side, I am someone who also loves my current situation within corporate America, but I've never once foreseen myself being here my entire life. You've always had. uh, I've always had the more entrepreneurial spirit. Like I am here to learn as much as I can about different like processes and leadership and like operations of a company and get as much like almost entrepreneurial skills that I could then take 
into something else one day. Um, so I'm like do reaping all the benefits that I can learning as much as I can with hopes to do something else later on in life. Yeah. So people are in it for different reasons. Some people are the type of people that clock off at five o'clock and are fine and complacent, which is great. Like their job they're they don't work to live. They live, no, they don't live to work. They work. What am I? They work to live. Exactly. So they do, they do work to live. They work to live, live to work. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I don't know. That just, they don't live to work. They work to live so that once they're done, like their life, their enjoyment, like not fueled by what they do to bring in or pay their bills basically. Yeah. And then there's other folks that are really in corporate America to climb the ladder and become a top exec and, you know, have a lot more say in leadership within their companies and make a lot more money. And like, that's fine as well. Where do you think you fall? So someone actually shared this with me or I saw it in like a panel conversation um, and it really made me thinking. She said she's the founder of 1987 Active, Jen D'Angela. She's an amazing human. It's a Boston-based active slash loungewear slash limited edition brand. And an ad. ad. No, (laughs) seriously. She's a star. But she was very successful in her career at a young age. I think she worked for like hotel groups and literally was like in her 20s and got into rooms with like senior level people, like C-suite people making decisions as like a 20 something year old. And a moment that she had in her life was she was sitting at this, like in this boardroom and she was looking around and she was like, so this is the trajectory in which I'm on. And do I want to be in any of these people's positions? Would I consider any of these people mentors? Do I want to be where these people are? And the answer to herself was no. Like, I actually don't give mm. to to be in their positions one day. And they're not people that I aspire to be. So that was one of her deciding factors in pursuing entrepreneurship instead and doing her own thing. So that literally <laughs> stuck with me. That was probably, like, almost a year ago at this point yeah. that I had heard her say that. And it's like, damn, like, could, would I have a comfortable and fun life if I was my own manager one day? Yes. Do I aspire to be the CMO of my company one day? Probably not. And that just kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Like I'm here for a short while, maybe not a long while, not even just at my company, but in corporate America in general until I figure out what I want to do elsewhere. Right. I don't know where I fall, to be honest with you. Do I see myself like, like you said, with the people who run my company, do I see myself up there? No, not necessarily, but I, like, I do love my job in the sense that, like, I don't know, I like clocking out and having it not affect me directly. Yes. When you're an entrepreneur, like, you go home at night and it's like, it's oh my God. I, yeah, I don't know. So I, I think I like that separation, but I don't really know where I fall. Yeah, I feel like you don't even need to know because you're just living day to day. You're doing well in what you're doing and like you'll see where it takes you. You don't have to have it all planned out too. But yeah, so all that to say, people have different experiences, different reasons for being in corporate America and a lot of this conversation is based on our own experiences. And for reference, I work for in a marketing um, department within a marketing company and Ash works on the tech side of an asset management firm in Boston. So a bunch of finance stuff that I'm actually slowly learning through my role, which I really enjoy. That's great. Would I ever want to be on the finance side? No, I love being on the tech side of a financial company though. Yeah. So I could see that being my industry like long-term. Yeah. There's a lot of money where you are. I love it. Like I would love a fat bonus just for mm. like existing at a company like that. I do not have. Oh, I find out my bonus in two weeks. Hell yeah. It's so nervy because, you know, we're coming off of not so good of a year. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. But shall we jump right into it? I think before we get into like how we can optimize corporate America, I briefly want to touch on kind of like how to find a place within corporate America that will set you up for success. Yes. And that being like, when you're interviewing, right? So 
you're you have this opportunity to look at all these different companies before you apply for a job and you should do research on the company culture you should see if you are a best fit for the type of people that work there if it's a hybrid company versus remote company versus full-time and office like you need to decide what you personally want to do and make sure that you find a company that allows you to do that um so one thing particularly, like once you do that research, you finally land interviews. Once you're in an interview, I'll let you tell the point that you have. But um, you should really like ask the person who's interviewing why they love their job so much. And like even if they don't love their job, like you're going to tell immediately from like the tone of voice their mannerisms, if they stutter to respond. And like that's almost like a flag within itself. You can understand a lot of what your experience would be like by being interviewed by the people who currently work there. 100%. When I was interviewing my senior year of college, it was honestly one of the darkest times of my life because it was just rejection, rejection, rejection. And it was really tough. I've mentioned it before, but when I interviewed for my current company, it was a super day. So I went in and I spoke with, I had 15 back-to-back interviews And out of all of the 20 plus interviews I had had in that semester, this was the first company where I genuinely enjoyed every single one of my conversations. And it was due to the people at the company. And my company talks a lot about their culture. And I think making sure you vibe with whatever your corporate America culture is, it has to be a match. So you need to enjoy your conversations because coworkers take up such a huge portion of your life. You are spending more time with coworkers than you do with family, honestly, a significant other and friends. Seriously. Like usually more hours than just nine to five Monday through Friday. Like it is so crazy how much time you spend with these people. So you have to be picky. Yeah. And you can also tell not even within the conversations that you're having, but the entire interview process So you can tell if an HR department is like shit for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. I have a really good friend that just went through an interview process for a company that she thought she like loved and this was her dream role and they were just like not really great communicators and like kind of left like a few days within like they weren't very explicit with the process basically and she was kind of like uh like I don't know um just had a little bit of hesitation like you can definitely feel it in your gut when things are not going the way that they're supposed to she literally got to the final rounds like did case studies got an offer, negotiated her salary, and then they just randomly sent her a very informal email that was like, better luck next time or something. And she was like, hold up. This is like a three-month process, all of this. And then she like, she was like, can we get on the phone or something? And so she got on the phone and she basically expressed that like, this is not how you should operate. Like, yeah. this is so like inconsiderate, blah, 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 blah. All to say again that like you will know in your heart like and that's like a big red flag if the people who want you so badly are not making you feel like you're wanted that badly. Definitely. I think the way that an interview process is handled says a lot about how the company treats their employees once they're hired. Exactly. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I remember Joe was just interviewing the other day and they like sent him a coupon for like lunch on them. And they're like, here, like we'll treat your lunch. Like here's $20 towards lunch just to interview. What? Like you can tell that company cares a lot about their employees. Totally. They want to make that process enjoyable for you. Wow. That's, that's great. Yeah. So that's kind of researching a company interview process. Um, and one thing to note too is within your research, like, and in your interview, you should be asking like, what morals and values do the company have? Like make sure that it's aligned so that you don't kind of enter a situation where you're like, wait, like I don't really believe in this product or this mission that they're pushing because that can really take enjoyment out of the work. Or even if you're in sales, for example, and you realize that this product is like actually not like the best on the market and you're supposed to be selling it to these people. You don't want to feel like you're basically like and like screwing people over basically um so make sure that you believe in the product or service that you're going to be working for and the people and the values that stand behind it um and then one last piece before we really get into 
the meat is negotiation. This is something that I didn't do, like especially like entry level positions. It's a taboo topic, honestly. Like everyone says, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Um, and I've learned as time has gone on and the more people that I've connected with that have negotiated, like it actually works. And if it doesn't oh, work, yeah. nothing's gonna nothing's gonna change for you. Like I was having a conversation with a coworker and she was explaining in a past life that she was being interviewed for a role and they asked, I think it's illegal to ask what you currently make in a role or there is something around it where it's like, I don't know if that's something you should say, but she had a position to say like this, I need X amount over what I currently make and this is what I deserve. And they didn't even question it. And they gave her like even 20K over that. And it wasn't, she, she said a figure that wasn't even what she had made. Right. So it's like, just you never know so is mine as well and if they say no and you still end up working for them for whatever salary they offered you and then like so be it you know yeah no that's huge I definitely wish we learned more about it I think when you get your first corporate America job fresh out of college you're like oh my god I'll just take whatever I'm so excited yeah so I get why it's difficult but as you start to job hop and look around I think it is really important to these companies have a lot of money. They have exactly. a lot of wiggle room. Exactly. Given we're about to enter a recession right now, so maybe yeah. not the best time. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's there. Yeah. You'd be really surprised to see what other people yeah. <laughs> are making. Yeah. And just because you didn't negotiate at the beginning doesn't mean that there's not room for negotiation while you're working for them. Yes. So it's like, you know, a, a yearly but you have like a performance evaluation every single year. So you can tell your manager, like, I want to make x amount more when the time comes for adjustments and promotions and please tell me what I can do to be eligible to potentially get that offered to me that's a really good and point. yeah it's it like makes a difference even if you don't get it like now they know in their heads like what you kind of need to to be an amazing employee to want to stay at the firm longer and there's no harm in just having those communications, even if it, it is tough to kind of open that can of worms. Yeah, 100%. I have one more thing before we get into the meat, as you said. Perfect. Um, benefits are a huge component of why corporate America is a pretty option. Yeah. The shiny uh, object in the corner that you may want to go to instead of taking your own path. Um, because these large companies can't have and offer you really great benefits. So that's also something to consider when looking for, for a, sure. a job. For sure. So being the best in corporate <laughs> America, how you can actually do everything you can to make yourself indispensable to a company. Because at the end of the day, as hard as it is to admit, there could be layoffs tomorrow and you could just be a number and you can literally be gone. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I always remind myself and I'm getting too worked up over something or I'm putting so much passion into it, which that's the nature of my being. But I also need to remind myself like it ain't that deep, you yes. know, like I were, I'm not saving lives out here, you know? Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there are things that you can do to make yourself not just a number and you can make yourself known and feel valued and bring a lot of value to the organization that you're in. And so we're just going to list off some things that are our secret sauce. Yes. And I do just want to preface because I know I'm going to have coworkers listening to this. <laughs> I am by no means saying I do every single one of these things <laughs> to the best of my ability. These are just as we sat down and to think like, how can you really make the most of your corporate America yeah. journey? These are definitely still things I'm working on doing, of course, and trying to perfect. But some inspo for y'all. So nobody call me out <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. OK, I can kick us off. First one is getting involved the same way you had to get involved in high school and college and to set yourself up for success. Join the committees, join the sports teams, be a, what was it? Class president or whatever. <laughs> you know, like you always want those things to kind of add to your resume. Totally. As you are at a firm, it is so good to get involved in my company has business networks. Um, even simple things like planning a team outing, uh, just getting involved and 
basically adding value to the company's culture. You are helping the company and the firm be a better place by getting involved and showing that you want to be a part of it. So that's been a huge thing for me. Um, Last year, I found I was like, I should definitely get more involved. Like all of the best people at this company are involved in some way or another, and they're giving back. So simple things like I did the dragon boat race. Like that was something that was so little and I didn't even really think twice about it. But then I did it and the amount of people that really recognized like, wow, like that's awesome. Like I got an email shout out. Like people saw that and just like thought fondly of it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I feel like I almost don't have those sort of opportunities because my job is remote first. Yeah. I feel like you would think that they would have those type of opportunities because we're remote first, but because we're just scattered everywhere, I feel like I don't. So that's amazing that you have those. Um, Kind of something that wasn't on my list, but this just made me think of it. So many big companies offer ways for employees to continue their education and certifications. Mm, My company has like a subscription to like masterclass and you can do like one or two a year on the company. I just actually signed up for a marketing summit. It's like a full day next week in Boston and it's like a panel and like workshop event that I would typically never ever ever like go to because I'm like why and I was just like why would I not and I'm providing value by going taking notes like synthesizing learnings and bringing it back to my team and my organization and maybe think of different ways that we can do things differently by learning about how other people within the Boston area are doing it. Yeah. So it's like, yes, you can, in doing that, you can add more value to the company, but you're also just building your resume further and like expanding your different expertises that you can then carry on into whatever else you want to do after the fact. 100%. I did a um, scrum master training. Yeah, you did. Uh, so like that was cool. And my company like paid for it. So they're like, oh, absolutely. You guys, you can bring more agile practices to our daily scrum calls and report back to us. But at the same time, like I got a certification in my name, yeah. which was also really cool. So ideally you're at a great company that does offer those things. I know we send women to these different business conferences and it's the company will fully pay for it. You just have to be willing to say yes and accept the opportunity. So it is scary sometimes. And it's like, Oh my God, why would I want to do all of these extra things? I'm already working and they're not paying any extra to do these things. Exactly. But I think it just for your personal growth. Exactly. And it's worth it in the long run. Okay, my next one is kind of similar to my first point, but coworker get-togethers. I alluded to this earlier, but you spend so much time with your coworkers. Like it is so important to have a personal relationship. You don't have to be best friends, but like to know what they do on their weekends. Like are they in a bowling league? My manager's in a bowling league. <laughs> but like so that was very niche, uh not relatable. But I don't know, it's important to get to know these people outside of work so that you can know them on a personal level and just I don't know. I just go hang out with your coworkers. Yeah. It makes work more enjoyable. Yeah. And also find a work wife or husband. Yes. Find someone that you can go to when you want to gossip not saying I'm not promoting gossip but like if you're having a hard day for example and you need someone to vent to that can actually relate and understand what you're going through because they work for the same company or just someone that you can kind of tidbit like ideas and figure out like what's next in like in in uncertain times um it's just comforting to have a work bestie it makes life a lot more enjoyable Yeah. And sometimes it is hard. I know like I went into this whole corporate world and I was like, I need to find my work wife. And naturally, like I did find somebody. Yeah. But also, ideally, if you ever get to join in some sort of cohort, like as a group, um, we had like a cohort committee. It kind of fizzled out. But if you can be the one person that's like, hey, guys, make the group chat in your teams or Slack or whatever it is and be like, hey, we're going to do a monthly meeting, like everybody get together. And then ideally you can form relationships through that because it is kind of it's hard to build relationships. But if you propose it in like a group like, oh, we all started together, we at least have that one thing in common. um, It can open up the doors for friendships. Totally. 
Okay, my next one is find what makes up your secret sauce. So we've said secret sauce a couple of times, but when I say, when I refer to this right now, I'm going to use myself as an example, but so I am a tech girly. Am I the best software engineer, systems analyst, tech person at my company? Absolutely not. But something else that I do have is my personality. I'm very extroverted and I actually enjoy talking to people. Um, it's actually very difficult to find these two qualities that overlap. So my secret sauce is kind of being the extroverted, actually enjoying talking to people, but also in the tech industry. Because a lot of these extremely talented, hardcore tech people tend to just be more introverted. That just is how the field goes. And then a lot of these extroverted people, people are like in sales or in a manager position or not in tech. So I found that that's kind of what makes my secret sauce. Yeah. And then you just have to tap into that. Yeah. I have a secret sauce as well. I think mine might be a little bit bespoke, but who knows? My secret sauce is that I founded a program within my company. um, And I am like the owner and manager of this one specific thing that's makes up a part of my role. So when people have questions about ambassadors or influencers, like I am like unintentionally a gatekeeper just because like I started this. I kind of, it fell within my job description, but I kind of added it on at the same time um, because it was something that we just hadn't explored before. So if you ever have autonomy in your role and your manager gives you kind of like leeway like what would you recommend in terms of a platform that we should be using for this process or what should be you what should we do to like contribute to this goal like literally establish a process or a program um, that doesn't need to take over your entire life unfortunately that happened with me but become known for something because you started it and there's no other person out there that kind of has that like knowledge that you do. 100%. So this one may seem like a force, but I think it's one of the most essential things that you should do when you're starting at a new company, or even if you've been there long enough and you realize that you don't know enough people or not enough people know you, set up intro meetings or coffee dates or ask to grab lunch with people for a couple of different reasons. Number one, like for visibility. So people understand who you are, what you do, and how they can find you. You basically become kind of like a team player in that way. Two, so you can get a better understanding of what other jobs and teams and roles exist in the company. So maybe if you decide one day that, you know what, you don't really want to continue to do what you are doing now, you might not have to change jobs or companies entirely to get to fill that void that you have. Maybe there is actual growth or room or different departments in your company that you could move along to. Um, And thirdly, just having that recognizable name and face like is automatically going to set you apart. I think when it comes time to, I don't know, like maybe layoffs or restructuring, like you never want someone to, or your name to be brought up in a room and people to be like, Oh, Courtney Carlton, I've never heard of her before. Like Mm -hmm. you need to make your presence known as uncomfortable or how maybe awkward it might be to be like, hey, my name's Courtney. I work on this team. Would love to learn more about what you do. You could phrase it that way so that people are like, okay, I can talk about myself. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. No, I think when you first join a company, like you have to use that to your advantage. You are pretty much the newbie for, you get a free hall pass for a full year yeah like the full year you say oh I just joined the firm like in this past year these past couple months like I'd love to learn more about what you do I'm on this team like that is so highly that's the number one people at my company the number one thing people at my company say to do when you join is like everybody's friendly everybody loves to talk about themselves and what they do yeah set up the one-on-one learn more it's the best thing you can do for sure I have another, I'll just go to my one-on-ones point. Yeah. Um, so I just have one-on-ones are important. I think it is so important to meet with your manager directly one-on-one every single week. Even if you have absolutely nothing to talk about and it turns into just catch up time, that is probably going to never be the case because I'm sure like you'll always have questions and things, but always have the check-in. It's important for them to know exactly like what you're working on and yeah. to ask any questions. And I just think having that open communication, but also 
when I joined my new team, um, this other girl, Anna, she's actually a fan of the pod. So if you're listening, Anna, hi, I love you. She took it upon herself to just like set up a one-on-one and just to kind of be an informal mentor to be like, Hey, how are you transitioning? Like what questions do you have? How's it going? And now we pretty much just have a monthly catch up. Um, now that I'm fully on the team, but we also like brainstorm better ways to improve the team as well. And it was so informal and such a nice thing for her to do. Like I wrote that in her performance review, like that I really appreciated that. So not only can you be the newbie setting up the calls, but set up the one-on-ones for, for the, the new newbies. people on your team. Yeah. Cause then that just like helps you in your case to eventually maybe manage other people within your company one day. Definitely. Yeah. And within these one-on-ones, I think it's really important to establish goals for yourself and how they're working towards the larger vision or goals that your department or team has. And within these one-on-ones, it doesn't have to be every single one-on-one because this might be a little bit more of a formal process, but like give quarterly updates as to like where you are in reaching those goals. Because when it comes time to a year-end review, it makes it really easy for your manager or whoever it is to advocate for you to make sure that you're moving up or that you have great opportunities that come your way by keeping them informed and keeping them understanding of what you've been working on and how you've been contributing to a larger picture. Yeah, 100%. I hate the goal setting process. It's like so I'm like, oh, I don't know. What is my goal? But we have to formally do it at oh, the company every year. Me and then too. And literally have the check-ins too. It's like, okay, how are you doing it? How exactly are you going to oh achieve god. this goal? I'm like, oh my god, too much, too much. All right, my next one is keeping track of your contributions for year-end reviews. Um, I just think it's re- it's really hard. Yes, a year goes by quickly, and it is a long time at the same at the same time. But just make it easy on yourself. Every time you contribute to a large product project or you had like a big role in some sort of whatever it may be, however that applies to your job, just keep a little OneNote tab and accomplishments. And then it'll like refresh your memory. Exactly. And then once you've kind of um, once you like have things to add to that list, depending on what it is, I also think it's important to in the moment, like recap whatever this project is that you've done or what you've contributed to. And if you're maybe not the owner of the project, make sure that you have a hand in developing this recap deck um, just so that in the moment you can actually socialize your learnings and your contributions and kind of prove that this is something that you should do again or this is how you should do differently. Once again, you're getting FaceTime and you're just, it's not just at the end of the year. Like it's literally an ongoing thing whenever you wrap something up, like make sure people know what you did. Yeah, that's a good habit yes. to build. Yes. Because it does seem like a lot of work. Like when, oh, we're done. We finished it. Yeah. But like it is really, I need to be better about that. Yeah. And it's I'm like, literally, that's like my job is to document all this stuff. But. Yeah. But it's like if people, I've learned this as time has gone on, like you can be an all-star in what you do. But if you don't socialize it to other people, like they're never going to know. And it's like this weird thing. Like mm-hmm. everyone come to a presentation where I talk about, my amazing work like but that's how it can seem like almost like an imposter syndrome like why do I need to do this but it's like you contributed to something or you produced this project or work that should be shared with other people yes um your work outfits if you're in the office can be fun so don't dread the work fits I think it just will set you up for success in like this on when I have like a really great corporate fit outfit, I am walking around the office like a boss lady. I feel good because I know I look good. I'm comfortable. I'll wear heels someday. I have a full dress on. My hair and makeup's done. Like it feels so good. And other people have literally come up to me and but like after they meet me and they're like, oh, I always thought of you as like the confident girl who knows, knows exactly what she, like you have an agenda, like everywhere you're going, like you know exactly what's going on. And I'm like, that is so crazy. I could not be further from the truth. I have no idea what I'm doing, but just my presence. Yeah. And honestly, I think my outfits have contributed to that. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I do look like a dad with like my gym sneakers and my jeans and my sweaters but on the days where I'm all dressed up when I have a lot of meetings like I'm killing it I'm killing it (laughs) so the outfit that y'all currently see if you are watching the video is quite literally how I what I wear to work almost every day 
It's yeah. so funny. So I was having this conversation with someone. I'm known as like the hoodie girl, which is like not a good thing to be known as. <laughs> but we work from home. It really doesn't matter. Like my CMO like wears, like everyone wears hoodies. It's like chill for the most part. But I finally met some people in person for the first time. Like, I don't know, a year ago, whatever. Irrelevant. And they met me in person. They literally didn't recognize me. And oh I'm like, God. well, that really sucks because <laughs> that means that, you know, I really look that awful because, <laughs> you know, I don't wear makeup or I wear makeup, but like not as much and just all the things. So, yeah, it, it is nice. But we were um, I was having a conversation literally yesterday. So high performers, Steve Jobs, for an example, he was known for his turtleneck sweaters yes. every single day. And probably like dad shoes and jeans. And it's important to low key have a uniform, no matter what the uniform is, because people will recognize you for that. And also, it takes decision fatigue out of your day. Yeah. So, if like dressing up is something that you love to do and it comes natural to you and that's easy, then yeah, like certainly do that. But if it's one less thing I have to think about in my day, and this I is can Courtney put on a justifying hoodie. that she's known as the hoodie girl. She just compared herself to Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh my god! So you know what? So I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm just, a high performer, and I'm gonna be the next Steve Jobs because <laughs> I don't wear makeup and I wear hoodies to work. That's my girl. <laughs> And that's going to be a reel right there. <laughs> Timestamp. Next. Next. Okay. I um, was really convincing though, wasn't I? You were. You totally Really were. passionate about it. Totally. Okay. Now it actually is your turn. Okay. So my turn is um, talk about your salary. This is like mm. a very tough one. And I didn't start till recently in what we're almost three years in. But you would be surprised and really disappointed to learn what some people make within your company for doing the exact same thing or for doing less than you. And if you don't talk about it, you'll never know your value and how much you're worth, whether it be in your current role or your next one. So get over the fear and literally start asking people that you trust. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I know like pay transparency is important, but like I'm pretty sure that's like looked down upon yeah, but that's, that's they, they make it seem like it's looked down upon. Yeah. There are states that are making it mandated for big companies yeah. to have public salaries. Like, yeah. that's huge. That's literally huge. And, of course, like, different experience levels, when people were brought on. Like, there are a lot of factors that go into a salary. Mm-hmm. So you can't get enraged over, like, this person's making X amount more than me when I do the same thing or whatever. But, like, it's important to know what the market rate is even if it is a big gap so you can see what room you have to negotiate. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And also one more thing, like I negotiated my salary when I got a promotion because I didn't do it originally. And my managers and her manager or my manager and her manager literally like applauded me because they've been in the industry for a while. And they both said like females don't advocate for themselves. They don't ask for a higher salary. And I was one of the first females that they've managed who's ever even questioned a salary. And so they were like, just because you have the confidence and like, you clearly know your worth, like, yeah, we're going to get this for you. So you never know. I love that. That ties perfectly into my next point of play slash act the part, fake it till you make it my favorite thing imposter syndrome <laughs> is such a real thing for everyone for everybody even if you're a ceo yeah everybody's just kind of faking it for the most part um but you'd be surprised to know that everybody around you doesn't actually know every single thing uh better than you do so yeah. just fake it till you make it fake the confidence and it'll it'll get you a lot further than you think yeah and i would even argue that being confident in being transparent about not knowing exactly what you're talking about also is something that gets you ahead too. Totally. It's like, hey, this is what I think. I'm not 100% sure. Like, I can do my research and I'll come back to you. Or to be honest, I have no idea. Do you know? And they're like, 
I honestly have no idea either. Yeah. And just you being confident in taking your stance, even if that stance is, I literally have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, is going to take you places. Like, that's how Matt got his first finance job. He was in sales. He had no finance background. And he was interviewing. And the interviewer looked at him and was like, you know nothing about finance, do you? And he's like... I know absolutely nothing, but you know what? I pick things up fast and I'm really eager to learn. And like he got the job and here he is like eight years into the industry. Okay. Something else I'll say to really optimize like your passion for your work and make sure that you're enjoying your day to day is set boundaries. Mm Mm-hmm. Although it's really important to say yes to things and yes to opportunities, like it's also just as important to say no. Like if you really are spread thin, bandwidth wise, or you don't think that this is going to end up like working in your favor, like you don't need to say yes to everything. And at the end of the day, you need to protect your peace because it is just a job and it ain't that deep. And if it's not going to set you up to climb, then like sometimes you can say no. Definitely. I feel like that's very applicable to you because you've been overworked. Oh, yeah. So overworked, underpaid, all the things. Yes, 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 yes. All the things. However, to our listeners out there, if you are like, you know, doing your job, I like on my list, I have say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. So and I don't mean yes to everything and like, oh, my God, yes, I'll do your work and I'll do your work, too. And I'll take the extra notes and I'll do this, this and this. It's more of like say yes to any opportunities. Oh, hey, would you like to join this committee to help better our team? Yes, I'd love to do that. Would you like to go get dinner with um, this manager? Yes, absolutely. Would you like to be a mentor for like this new person that just joined? Yes, absolutely. Like be the person that says yes and is open to those type of opportunities. But I agree with you. You don't want to set yourself up to be overworked because then you're not going to produce the high quality work. Exactly. And then you're just it's going against you. Yeah. And managers appreciate when you're like, actually, as much as I'd love to support, I it would take away from all of these other responsibilities that are more important. Totally. Totally. But yeah, that's how I got, um, that's how I have a lot of cool Celtics opportunities come my way is because the like head of the sports team didn't really have people helping him at the time because it was brand new. We just signed on with the Celtics and I was there and he was like, is there any way you could like help me invite people to the sweet nights? And I'm like, of course I can. And then I was like the first person to experience it. And like, you just never know. Yeah, I love that. Um, I have do not complain and avoid gossip. I feel like... Unless it's with your work life. No, I'm unless kidding. it's with your work life. <laughs> I'm kidding. Honestly, I feel like there's not really much gossip at my company at all. But I see like, you know, the TikToks and things. But you never want to be the person that's constantly complaining about something. Oh, like, no. oh my God, this project's going to be so boring. Oh my God, this is going to... Like, you want to be the person that's going to bring positivity and make work enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I just think that can reflect very poorly on you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One of the biggest things within my performance evaluations, like year after year is Courtney is such a pleasure to work with. And like, she rallies the troops and is the most positive person because she like, I never have like, oh my God, this is going to like, who would ever want to do, even if you think that, like never say that. No, do not. But positivity goes a long way because you uplift the team and you make other people want to work towards whatever it is. Um, That goes into another one of my points that make working with you enjoyable. Yeah. So the same way that people that's literally in your year end review and it's like Courtney's such a pleasure to work with. Like you want that compliment every single year. It is the worst feeling in the world when you have a project coming up and you know it's with this team that makes it so difficult to get things done. That just it makes people not want to work with you. And so, yeah, then somebody's going to ask, oh, how was this new enhancement? Oh, you should do it too. It's like, oh, you have to work with that team. It was it was a really long, difficult process. Yeah. And hey, there's always things that come up and sometimes it's more difficult than others, but just try your best to be a pleasure to work with. Yeah. And going off of that, like be a team player. Mm-hmm. You never want to be in a situation where – People think that you're trying to like one up them or that you're in competition with the people that you're working alongside of because at the end of the day, that's just going to bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. Like you are supposed to be a team. It's only going to further isolate you. Like it's just not 
a good look and collaboration is key to get anything done. So if you're, if you think that you can do it all yourself, first off, you're crazy. Second off, like you're not going to be a well-liked person after that. No, no, no. So my biggest one that I definitely want to mention is vocalize what you are interested in. Okay, so I have some examples of myself of how I vocalize what I'm interested in and like how it will potentially pay off in the future. So I have vocalized to all of my managers that I love this company and I do see myself staying here for a really long time, but I grew up an hour north of here. I went to school here. I can see myself settling down here and I do really, really want to get out for a little bit. So in a year from now, when I vocalize that I want to move to Miami in a year, it's not going to take them by surprise because they know this is a thing. I've also mentioned how I want to work in our London office. I mentioned that to every single person I can. Oh, I found out that you worked in another one of our offices. Like I am picking your brain about that. How did that work? How did you like it? what is the process like? I want to do that. And I think vocalizing what you're interested in is just such a great way because when an opportunity comes up in London, ideally I'm going to be one of the first people that they think of. And then I could potentially have that opportunity. And my second example of this is when I started at my company, I was a software engineer and I did that for a year and a couple months, but every single one of my one-on-ones with my manager they were like, oh, is there any, like, what are you, what are you working on? And I was like, oh, I really wish I had more business knowledge because I was so tied to the tech side that when people outside of my company were like, oh, what does your company do? I was like, oh, asset management. Like, I don't really know. And it was just something I craved. So what happened was a spot on my current team opened up and like, I was one of the people that They were like, oh, I think Ashley was interested in this. And so the opportunity was presented with me to me and I met with the team. I just it was pretty much all in my hands. I didn't have to interview. I just got switched. I mean, I don't know how great that is. My team was like, yeah, Yeah. Ash, go. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? You're not going to miss me. (laughs) Um, But I did go and it was like the best thing I could have made career wise. Like I love where I'm at. I love the work I'm doing a lot more. And that just wouldn't have happened, I don't think, if I hadn't been so vocal about me wanting to learn more about the business side. Yeah. And similarly for me, I was always vocal in saying that I love to travel and like I did everything that I could within my role to create relationships with people in and out of the company. And so whenever there was an opportunity for an event for someone on my team to go to, I was always the first person that was like, oh, well, Courtney will go. Well, Courtney would want to go. And so that's why I literally took 45 flights last year, which is that's a little too much. So but insane. Yeah. I probably traveled like around two times per month for work on a plane. Oof. Fucking crazy. Too much. Too much. Too much. At the, at the end much, of it. But much. yeah, if I didn't say that, then I probably wouldn't have been offered those opportunities. Definitely. Okay, and then I have two obvious ones, network. It's really not as scary as you think it is. I still get nervous every single time there's a networking event. But if you're like in a good mindset, like just just go kill it. You can do it. Just chat about anything. Yeah. Channel that inner extroversion and you'll be fine. Yeah. And then also find a mentor or five. I have written That's down. That's hard. That's hard. I will say I don't ha- I feel like I still don't have a mentor. I feel like you have to ask around. So again, my company is just literally the best company in the world. They have so many different mentor programs. So like they set you up, you get a mentor on your team, you get a mentor in our program, you get a mentor in the department, and then you can sign up for a formal mentor person, um, mentor program, like throughout the whole company. So like they're really good about it. So they have made it easy, but this younger girl on like a separate team just reached out to me and was like, Hey, I'd love to, I saw you were in a meeting with so-and-so like, I'd love to learn more about what you do. And now we literally have an informal call every month. So in a way, like I'm an informal mentor to her Yeah, and she can pick my brain about whatever the heck she wants. Yeah. So it's just about finding people that you think you can be honest with and get some good feedback from from. and then set up the initial one-on-one call. And if you vibe, like try to keep that relationship going. Yeah. I need to do a better job of that. My very last one. Don't be so serious. (laughs) It's never that serious. Us in our glasses talking about corporate America, but also in hoodies. I did. Yes. You can do both. I did specifically put these glasses on because this is a corporate America episode. Yeah, I don't know why I'm wearing these. I've never worn these before either in a in a recording. Yeah, actually true. These are my blue light glasses. These are my <laughs> prescription and blue light glasses. 
Ooh. Yeah. Well, if that's it, I don't know. I, I would probably say the biggest takeaway is whether you're in corporate America because you want to be in corporate America or you're just in it for the moment in this part of your life or you're in it for the long haul, like there are ways to make it enjoyable and not make it be like this thing that you have to do because you need to afford your lifestyle. There are ways that you can actually enjoy your life and kind of work towards whatever goals you may have. Yes. Also, the Skinny Confidential talks about this all the time, but no matter what job you work, you can hate it so much, but there are transferable skills that will benefit you on whatever you want to do later Mm -hmm. down the road, whether it's bartending, waitressing, working at your crappy nine to five job, like just make sure that you are at least gaining some skills. Like get your, not wasting, but you're spending so much of your time doing so like you might as well get something out of it. Yeah. So I think having that perspective is going to set you up for success. Yeah. And in a roundabout way, just prioritize yourself. Like, where are you now? Where are you trying to go? And how can I get what I need from this current moment and this current job in my life that will kind of close that gap and make it more attainable to get to where you want to be? Mic drop. Period. Period. Lunch break's over. That was fun. Time to go back to corporate America. (laughs) (laughs) One more call today. We got this. We got this. (laughs) Yes. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed our cheat codes for corporate America. Yes. And we also hope that you enjoyed our one year celebration and our giveaway. Thank you guys for entering. I think at this moment we have over almost over 200 uh, entries, entries, which is so exciting. We love you guys. We were scared that only like two people were going to participate. I know. And we put a imposter syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) And we finally got over 500 followers. So thank you. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.